A great caddy knows what to say, how to say it, and when to say it. A great caddy on the golf course is a trusted ally, somebody who's the voice of reason in, in times of stress when a player can be under duress for whatever reason, whether it's in the final round of a major or somebody trying to break 80 for the first time. Having someone on the bag who can tell you things that you couldn't otherwise tell yourself in the moment because your head might be spinning is an incredible ally, asset, teammate to have right there walking with you. And I can't think of any other partnership in sports that has the closeness and intimacy of a player and a caddy and how important that relationship is, particularly in tournament play. And this is the case with the man that's on the podcast today. His name is Bobby Conlon. And notably, he came out with Clampett when Clampett turned pro and uh, was on the tour in the early 80s to, uh, to shepherd him uh, on his career. Bobby C., as we affectionately know him as here locally and, uh, and in the tour circles, has uh, been on the bag for, for, for Bobby Clampett. He was on the bag for Tom Pernice for a while uh, and then closed up his career. And I know I'm missing a couple of your guys in there, so, so bear with me. But he closed up his career uh, notably with Dave Eichelberger, who went on to win the U.S. Senior Open and, and uh, a bunch of Champions Tour events. So Bobby C. is now retired at his compound in Carmel Valley, California. And we're all graced and lucky enough to have him come on the podcast to share of his time on tour and his observations of the world's best and how we can apply that wisdom. So a big shout out to Bobby C. Thank you, Bobby, for coming on. And uh, we want to celebrate in this month of July, the men that are on the bag for some of the world's best and uh, share their wisdom with us and what we can take to help us to get better playing this incredible game that we all love. Welcome, friends, to Flag Hunters. You know who this is, the man that I currently can't see across the screen because he's might be technically uh, illiterate <laughs> is my friend, Bobby Connell, longtime PGA tour caddy and a close personal friend of mine for the last 25 years. Bobby C welcome to flag hunters, my friend. Oh, thank you, Jesse. Thanks for having me on here with you tonight. I'm looking forward to this. So I go way back with Bobby Conlon, uh, back in, into my mid twenties. Uh, great guy, long, long time PGA Tour caddy. You, you started your career with uh, with Bobby Clampett, right? That's correct. Yeah, I started uh, back in uh, 1983. Uh, Bobby called me one day out of the blue, and uh, I'd been caddying a little bit over at Pebble and helping at different tournaments, amateur tournaments around the country. And uh, Bobby knew that, and we were kind of a little bit of friends here in Carmel Valley, where we both grew up. And Bobby called one day and said, "Hey." Uh, how would you ever would you ever consider uh, coming out on the golf tour and caddying for me? And uh, I kind of looked kind of strange. And I looked at my father who was there because I was working at his electrical company at the time. And he said, yeah, go ahead. Try it. You know, you might might enjoy it. So I did. I, I put my tools down and, and walked away and uh, went to work for Bobby Clampett. And uh, to be honest with you, never picked my tools up again. It was uh, <laughs> something that was just the most exciting part of my life. It was. Uh, being able to be on the golf course with such great players and to see the incredible golf courses around the world was uh, something that I just uh, really fell in love with. And I uh, ended up staying out there for almost 25 years. Yeah. How long were you with uh, Bobby Clampett for? I was with Bobby for about three and a half years. Uh, and then I ended up switching over to uh, a young, another player from Oklahoma state named David Edwards, young player uh, who was a really great player, great attitude. Uh, worked for for he him just a little bit, and then I ended up uh, joining up with uh, this gentleman from Carmel Valley named Ben Pond, who was a sponsor of uh, the best player in Holland. So I ended up uh, heading over to Europe for almost three and a half years, caddying on the European Golf Tour for a real good player named Rudy Boss, and uh, 
that was that was all great because uh, you know the European tour and the American tour is different. They they treat their caddies a lot different over there than they did here at that time. Now, thank goodness, they're the caddies are getting the respect that they deserve. But even back then, uh, in the middle '90s, they were they were really nice to all of us over there in Europe. So that was that was a good that was a good voyage. But uh, I worked for for him for about it, like I said, another three years. Got him through the European tour school a couple times and. Uh, Came back home and and uh, worked for different players. I was very fortunate. Uh, Lance Tenbrook, Robert Wren, uh, Brian Clare. Uh, a few of the players called me to help them get them through the tour school, which I was fortunate enough to get them through, uh, which was really a really quite an experience. I don't know. These caddies today don't have the feeling. You, you really don't have the feeling that um, that you did back in those days with those tour schools. Those tour schools were really something because, uh, you know, you can be in a four-year All-American out of college and come to the tour school, come to the finals and not make it, you know. And there was uh, a lot of elation, but a lot of tears as well at that tournament because uh, back then, the, the you know, the chances of going to another tour, I mean, you almost had to go to Europe or to Asia or someplace like that in order to play because uh, the United States hadn't uh, come up with that nice farm system as i call it now that they have so yeah that was quite a quite a great experience for me you you came out with bobby clampett and mm -hmm. bobby at the time was oh. well he, he was number one amateur in the world right he, i mean he was he was. Of, he was one of the best players in the world regardless of whether he was an amateur or pro he he was he came out and, and he went and he signed with img like so many of these guys they come out and sign with these big companies like that and uh IMG uh, provide him with a caddy. Uh, uh, Willie, don't remember Willie's last name, but he Willie caddied a little bit for Jack at Augusta, and he was an Augusta caddy. And Bobby and him got along well, but they were just, uh, you know, one was from the, the west side and one was from the other side of the country. And they they were good friends, but they didn't see eye to eye that well. So that's how Bobby contacted me to come out with him. So, we're, so you were on the bag with him when he led the British Open. Is that correct? After a he rounds, he led the British Open. Uh, yeah, I wasn't with him then, but okay. he was actually no Jesse. When uh, he came back from the British Open uh, after he had uh, got that one got away from him, and he was a little disheartened, and he called me about two weeks after that. So it was about in the middle of August. He called me and uh, said, "How would you like to come to work for me?" And I said, "Well, where would you want me to show up?" And he said, "Memphis, Tennessee." Well. I don't know if you know about Memphis, Tennessee, but it's mighty hot there at Colonial. It's a great, great, great golf course. But uh, anyway, I started there in August with him. But uh, he was he was a great player. He had uh, he was very confident at that time. He had all the shots. Uh, he worked real hard at his game. Uh, yeah, he was he was on his way. He was on his way to being a real good player there. And uh, he lost a little bit of his confidence, you know, that's kind of what we're talking about tonight. I think we'll kind of get into this, how confidence is such an important part of your game. And uh, he just lost that little bit of edge, I think. Um, got a little doubt in his mind and tried, started changing teachers. He grew up with Ben Doyle, the great uh, teacher from the Quail Lodge out in Carmel Valley, California. And Ben was did a great job with him uh, all through his amateur career. But then once Bobby got on the golf tour, he's... Started tinkering with his swing a little bit, going to different teachers. And then that's kind of where he, he kind of got a little confused, confused himself a little bit. And that's where he started searching. But uh, yeah, Bobby was a great guy to me. He uh, opened a lot of doors for me. I, I'm i very thankful for, for him asking me to get out there. Boy, I'll tell you, that serves as a cautionary tale. I mean, I remember, I mean, we I grew up here on the Monterey Peninsula, and I remember Bobby came up, climbed it very well. Um, you know, having the world by by the by the you know what's and yeah. Yeah. it really is a cautionary tale um to uh to develop a pattern that was successful with with mr doyle and then mm -hmm. uh and then uh being out there on tour and see what he saw and led him uh down the wrong path in my opinion and it's unfortunate yeah it, it it happens, you know, they get out there and they're great players. Obviously, they played well in college and have established quite a reputation. And then they get out on that golf tour. And, you know, Bobby, I think we were 18th in the country or 18th on the money list that one year. And uh, I was looking forward to coming back the next year again. And he called me in the offseason. He said, hey, I'm uh, going to go to another golf 
teacher and I'm going to change my swing. I want, I want to be number one. I want to be number one. I want to push myself and make myself to be the number one player in the world. And uh, he just kind of stepped over things that, uh, you know, he wasn't quite capable of doing. I think they were asking him to do things that his body wasn't used to doing and uh, got himself a little bit confused there. And that's where he kind of got off track. But uh, yeah, it's, it's easy to do out there. You know, you're watching all these guys make a lot of money and uh, you're kind of sitting back there watching and you're saying, Hey, you know what, look at these guys are doing. I see if I can do that. And you kind of go wayward a little bit, you know, but uh, he's uh, still, like I said, he was a very good guy, very knowledgeable guy on the golf swing, but uh, sometimes you can think too much in this golf game. You know, you, you have to, you have to practice as much as you can. You have to work as hard as you can, but, when the bell goes off when the gun goes off and you're on that first tee, you just have to, you know, go out and play, you know, it's a game. You got to go out and play. And uh, that's how I think you really, really excel. It's hard. As you know, you're a great player, Jesse. It's hard. It's hard to think about your swing and play properly at the same time, you know? So, but uh, yeah, it was, it's, it was, he was a good guy. Good man. And so after, after Bobby, who, who did you caddy for next? Next, I worked for uh, David Edwards. David oh, Edwards right. was from uh, Edmond, Oklahoma. Great player. <laughs> Real quick story. The very first round, he calls me. He says, can you come down? He goes, I understand you're not going to carry for Bobby this year. I said, no, I think I'm going to stay home this year. He goes, well, can you work the West Coast for me? And I said, you know, David, I'd love to. I'll, I'll meet you in Palm Springs. So I meet him in Palm Springs. And uh, the very first round, he shoots 61, uh, course record. At which course? In Indian Wells, 61. And we walked off the first day, 11 under par. And wow. uh, yeah, and we, and that was the start of our, our friendly relationship. And David was a uh, really, really great player. I worked for him on the West Coast and we almost, uh, we, he had won Riviera the year before. So, we, and we ended up coming about sixth or seventh in Riviera. And he said, come on, please, you come to the East Coast with me now. And I went, oh my goodness. So I called my wife and said, Phyllis, uh, David would like me to come to the East Coast and caddy for him. He wants, he needs me more than the West Coast. And my wife is such a great supporter of me. She says, uh, you're doing well with them. Keep going, you know. So I went there and sure enough, we almost won Doral. And uh, yeah, had a, had a good run. David, David had a really nice uh, caddy from England who was having some problems with his immigration papers. So so with him not being able to be in the country, I was fortunate enough to work for Dave. And I, I just worked for him those probably 10 weeks, but I think we probably had three top tens in, in, in 10 weeks. So David was David was great. And then so then I came home and I was uh, hitting balls at Carmel Valley Ranch. And this gentleman comes by me and he goes, hey, you're Bobby Clampett's caddy. And I said, well, you know, I used to be Bobby Clampett's caddy. And he goes, uh, he said, would you ever think of caddying in Europe? And I said, oh, my goodness. And I said, you know. Just about three months ago, I told my wife that it was, I thought maybe I should get my passport up to date in case somebody asked me to go somewhere. And sure enough, he did. And uh, anyway, this great gentleman named Ben Pond uh, from Holland, who's, who uh, sponsored the best player in Holland. And I went to, uh, I met him a couple of weeks before the tour qualifying school, which was within La Manga, Spain. And uh, we went down to the Costa del Sol and Played golf for a couple of weeks, and then we went up to La Manga, and uh, it was a, it was a tough week. We missed we missed the tour by one shot, <laughs> so I'll never forget that. And uh, so we worked all year. Went to some. I, Mr. Pond took me over to Europe a couple of times. We went over to Sweden and caddied in the mini tour events in Sweden, and got him ready for the next year. And then we went back to La Manga and, and got his card, and uh, ended up working about. Uh, another two years, two and a half years for Rudy on Rudy Boss was his name on the European tour. And that was a great experience, great experience. You know, the uh, golf courses in the United States are beautiful. They're in great shape and, and Europe, they're beautiful as well, but they're in a different condition, you know, and it's a different, uh, different style of golf. You, you know, as you know, I mean, now the current days, now a lot of the golf courses are the same, but you know, the British open and, Courses like that where you have to kind of control your ball on the ground a little more than than in the air, and uh, it was fun. It was it was really a good experience for me to learn uh, both sides of the game. You know, the the British side and the and the American side of the game, which is it's different. It's different. You know, just because of conditions. So it, it was it was a great learning experience for me. Did you uh, did you bring 
some wisdom back from caddying on the European tour and into the, uh, the U S tour? I think I did. I think I did. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, you know, I, <laughs> the weather, the conditions over there are always so tough. You know, um, one time it was raining so hard and trees were blowing across the fairway. And I thought for sure that, uh, they were going to call the tournament. So I got a hold of one of the officials and I said, you know, what are we going to do here? Someone might get hurt out here. There's a tree blowing by. He looked at me and he goes, Hey, American. He goes, if we don't play in this kind of weather, we don't get finished, you know? And right then I just said, well, you know what? I'm going to have to learn how to be a, a good, bad weather caddy, you know? <laughs> and, and, uh, and there's a lot to it. You know, you know, you, you've been out there and sometimes you just, just don't have enough hands, you know, sure. uh, to uh, hold everything up, keep your bag dry, keep your towels dry, keep your grips dry, keep your umbrella up, uh, you know, keep up. Uh, so yeah, it, it really, it really made me a better caddy. It really did. It, uh, it, you know, when you work that hard on days like that, and then when you get a beautiful day in say Florida or something, it's, it's a pretty easy walk after working in those tournaments. So yeah, I did. I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I learned to it's a you know you really have to be patient over there because you can hit a lot of good shots and the wind can really affect it and you can't uh you know you can't let your own psyche bother yourself because of the weather you don't have you know you just have to go with the flow a little more over there and I, they seem to have that little a little more ability to do that you know because that's what happens sometimes you just you know the ground's real hard or the ground's real soft and it's not real even but it's uh, yeah I, I learned a lot I think I brought up a lot home from there it was it was a great experience for me. What was your favorite golf course over there? Over there? Yeah. Oh, Anywhere in Europe that you can think of. Uh, you know, what what course did you fall in love with? Or did you? Yeah, oh man, I, there were some really nice. There was a couple on the uh, north side of Germany. Um there's one in Holland called uh Nordwick, Nordwick. I believe uh Payne Stewart won a won the Dutch Open there one year and it's uh, below sea level. And it's really, really a beautiful, it's a dunes golf course with the weather. Um, really beautiful golf course. Uh, I enjoyed, I enjoyed uh, Sweden. Sweden, there's a little golf course up there called Kunzbaka, which is uh, up, up kind of along the coastline with big giant rocks. And uh, there was some, yeah, some really, really pretty good, good you know, deg- degree of difficulty golf courses as well as uh, attractive golf courses. So, um yeah, that's that was a good question. I I I enjoyed every one of them. Any any time I could get out there and compete, Jesse, and be on the golf course with those kind of players, I I really enjoyed it. You know. Uh, yeah, I, I bet. Yeah. So so you were over there for two and a half years, and you came back. Right. And uh, now, how long how long were you with? I'm going to fast forward a little. Bit. Yeah, go ahead. So, yeah. So toward toward the end of your of your career out there. Um, you split time between Purdy and Dave Eichelberger, right? Ted Purdy and Dave Eichelberger. First, I worked with uh, Dave Eichelberger and Charles Howell III. That's right. Okay, I remember. Yeah, Chuck, Chuck so they were Jones. both they were both Oklahoma State guys, and they were both really, really good to me. About uh, both of them threw me their schedule, said, "When can you work for me?" Yeah, and uh, Dave Dave Eichelberger, one of the great princes of all all times, gentlemen. Uh, sat down with me and said, look, I've been at that golf course 30 times. I don't need you there. You know, I've been, uh, but man, you're coming, but you're coming to the major with me in Detroit. Okay. You know, and, and he, the ones that he thought that he knew pretty well that he could handle himself. He said, you know what, this would be a good week here to go for tip for Charles. So I, so I worked it out with Charles and Charles was very open about it. And, uh, so that those were good years. That was, um, that was 1990. 1999 to about 2004, I worked for both of those guys. Uh, very fortunate. One year, um, you know, there's there's uh, nine majors. There's five on the Champions Tour and four on the regular tour. And I was fortunate enough that year to work in eight of those majors, eight out of the nine. So I really was very fortunate to handpick my schedule. What, and, which major did you miss? Oh, man. Yeah, it hurts, but I'll tell you. It was at Hazeltine in uh, – Minneapolis. And, um, I was about ready to go there and I got a phone call from Dave Ledbetter and he said that he's because, uh, Charles really wanted me to work full time. He just, he kept saying, Bobby, come on full time. And, uh, I just, I just respected Dave Eichelberger a lot. I, I enjoyed being around Dave and I just, you know, 
back looking back, you know, maybe it wasn't the right decision, but I decided to stay with Dave a little more than Charles. So I, uh, Mr. Ledbetter called and said, uh, "We've got a we've got a caddy who's who's from Europe who's going to start working for Charles now, and he's going to be a full time caddy for Charles." So thank you so much for helping, but that was it. Yeah. That was the that was the phone call. It was about two weeks before Hazeltine, and uh, yeah, I was looking forward to it. I don't know if anybody caddied in all nine of them, you know, in one year. Sure. Yeah, it was it was it was a great year. Anyway, eight out of nine, I'm still proud of that. Heck yeah. <laughs> That yeah. that's awesome. So, so you, how many times did you win with Dave Eichelberger out there on the Champions Tour? I won. Uh, I won three three times with Dave. Three yeah. times we won. Uh, we won Napa up at uh, Silverado. Yeah, and then we won in uh, Park City, Utah. And then uh, the big one we won was in 1999 when the U.S. Senior Open in Des Moines Golf and Country Club. That's right. So won three won three with Dave and. Um, yeah, I had a couple other little ones, you know, I, these Pebble Beach Invitationals. I got a couple of those and a few other ones. And, uh, but yeah, three with Dave. And then uh, I've, I did not ever win any on the regular tour, but I had uh, three second places. And I could tell you every one of them, you know, the second places are sticking my mind more than the wins almost. Oh, you know? sure. Oh, <laughs> You're always one, one shot away. You know, every one of them was one shot. And uh, it was, uh, but it was good. You know, it, it's, it's it's so hard to describe the incredible feeling that I get when I'm in that tournament, in those kind of tournaments, and you're coming down the last four or five holes. You know, people always say to you, "Isn't that isn't that bag heavy?" I mean, you don't even know you're carrying a bag at that point. Right. You know? You're you're so involved in the game. Uh, you know, just every aspect of the game. You know, you're feeling the wind, you're feeling the softness of your while you're walking. I mean, every everything. You're just you're just so tuned in. You know that. Uh, you you know you you don't hear anything going on you don't see cameras you don't you don't see anything you just you just you have tunnel vision almost you know and uh it's it's just an incredible feeling it's just uh you know yeah it was it was great i i do miss that i, I do miss getting inside the ropes you know as they say sure yeah. well, there's nothing like it there's nothing like being in competition uh whether you're toting the bag or whether you're swinging the golf clubs i mean especially uh, coming down the stretch, it, it's addicting. You know that oh. line. That line is addicting. It is, and that's what yeah. really I think really gets people. You, you just that that instant gratification that you get. You know, you you pull a club and you, you talk about it. You know, you give them the yardage. You talk about the club, uh, and then you both decide. You know, that's that's what we're going to do. Let's do it, and and you do it, and you get a positive result from it. It's just the feedback is is right now. And it's just, uh, there's nothing like golf. There really isn't. I mean, I was very fortunate. I played a lot of sports in my life, but uh, nothing as challenging and as rewarding as the game of golf. There, re there really isn't. I mean, it's, it's, you just reach in. It's, you know, it's, it's such an inner body game. You know, it's, it's, yeah, you see it physically outside the actions, but it all, the actions only come from the feelings that come from inside. And the people that can control that, that emotion inside calmly and, bring it out is are really, I think the winners, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's just the tiny little part that some people just don't have the ability to do. They just get a little too nervous, you know, they get a little too anxious. And, and like Dave, Dave used to say, you know, he goes, I try as hard as I, I can. And then I let it come to me. And when it comes to me, he, he, he captured it, you know, and uh, that's, it's, yeah, it's just the difference between winners and, and second placers, you know, second or third placers. Just, uh, it's not, it's not really that hard to win. I, I mean, I think people almost try too hard to win. You know, you just have to go out and play your game and, and, and it happens. And when you do win, um, it, it, it's, it's really incredible because, you know, say you hit an eight iron, 170 yards or 65 yards. When you're playing in a golf tournament and, and, and things are going right and you're winning, the ball lands on numbers that you really don't even have to think about it. You know, I mean, it's just, Everything is working right. And that's why you're a winner. That's why you become a winner because everything is going correctly, you know, and it, it's really, it's really fun how it, it once it, it fall, it falls in place like that. And uh, Dave, I'll, I'll keep saying, talking about Dave because I won with Dave, but uh, Dave was, um, Dave, Dave used to, you know, we'd get, 
we talk about what we wanted to do. And he'd say, Bobby, give me, get that towel wet, man. He goes, I'm going to show this crowd a good shot. Watch this, you know. And he just, he had that mental toughness. Dave was a Marine. And Dave just, um, he just had, like I said, he just, compared to the, the other players that I caddied for, he just had that little bit of an edge. And if you look at his record, he won 12 times, you know, between the regular tour and the champions tour. And that's, that's what it was. That's what it was. He just, he was, you know, he was the kind of guy in sports that wanted the ball, you know, when it came down to the end of the game, he wanted the ball. And, uh, that's, that's why I think he was such a great player, such a great athlete. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it it was good fun out there. It's, it's interesting that you say that Dave wanted the ball and it's, and it's kind of of a recurring theme that I'm hearing over and over again. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, just, just one of the intangibles that you and I have talked about for, for decades and Mm -hmm. of wanting the ball, having the courage in the moment. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I would, I would contemplate and even comment by saying that that may be the ultimate separator between, uh, good and great or winning and losing. Um, I I mean, I think that that's gotta be part of the equation and, um, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it time and time again, even when the guys out there don't have it going well. You, you know, nobody's going to hit the ball. It's rare when when somebody stripes the ball for four rounds in a row. I mean, even at the highest level. And uh, and and how about the guys that uh, that when the when that day, that one round, they're not hitting the ball that great, maybe they're struggling a little bit with it, but they still manage to not shoot themselves out of the tournament. You know, yeah. how much, how much of that is that mental toughness in your opinion? Oh, it is. It's that's, that's the whole thing right there. Cause uh, you're, you hit it right on the head. I mean, to play golf uh, four days in a row well is really an incredible accomplishment. And so you're going to have your down moments. It's, it's just how well you handle those down moments. You know, it's um, some people think they're down moments. Dave, Dave really looked at it as a challenge. You know, he would, uh, if he were, to miss a couple shots, you know, he, he would, he wouldn't, um, I think go not to use Tiger as an example, but when Tiger was playing really well, you know, he never, there's something I learned years ago. And it's, it's the saying is I never devalue myself through destructive self-criticism. And I think, I think Dave, I know, I know Tiger had that. Remember when Tiger wasn't playing well, he never said he wasn't playing well. He just said he didn't have his A game today. Yeah. There's not that it's gone. It just wasn't here today. You know, it'll be here tomorrow, you know, his mindset. And I think that's the same thing with Dave would be if if he would miss a shot or two in a row, you know, he, he somehow he had that little, he had that ability in his mind to, to to click it in a positive direction, to not, to not uh, be an enemy to his own self. You know, don't you, uh, like I say, not to devalue himself. He would just always, uh, Somehow he could, he could see the light, you know, he could see that he could, he knew he was good. He knew that he had the ability and it was in there and he didn't, he never gave up on himself. And uh, like you say, that's, that's the tangible that really separates the the good player, you know, you know, the guys that are out there for a long time, a lot of guys are out there for a long time that never win, you know, as you know, but some of the guys always seem to pull one or two out a year, you know, somehow they, they have their weeks and they, they just, uh, their mind's right and everything's right. And uh, yeah, it, it's uh, back, it's back to what I said. It's a great game. That's why it's such a great game because you, yeah. have, to, you have to be able to not only control your golf ball, but you have to be able to control your own emotions, you know, your own feelings and your feelings predict have a lot to do with the prediction of your shot, you know, what your outcome is. But uh, if you have a good visual, you know, see the ball, Visualize the ball going to where you want it to see that whole thing. And kind of like with Chichi Rodriguez back way back when Chichi, someone asked Chichi, they said, Chichi, you know, you don't take much time over the golf ball. Chichi goes, Hey, I played the game last night when I was sleeping. You know, he goes, I know where the ball's going. I know what's going to happen. I have already, I've already done this. My mind, my mind knows what's going to happen, you know? And those are the, those are the things that really, I think, you know, create a great player. You know, someone who just had, can flow, go with the flow. Let's say it that way. You know, if it goes, it goes against them. You just, you know, hey, that's part of the game, and and I'll turn it around. You know, that's why you get eighteen holes. That's the beauty of the game. You know, I got, I got to tell this story. Um, yeah. 
and and you're the one who taught me this. You taught me a bunch of things, and I'm going to go into this one story because what you just said reminds me exactly of it. And I'm not here to to vault myself up, but just kind of the power of self talk and mm-hmm. the power of actually having and producing and keeping a positive vibe no matter what. So. Mm-hmm. You know, this this goes back to the state am. I don't know you one of the state ams that you caddied for me and uh, volunteered just to be a friend. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, I want to tell everybody that. But um, in the first round, we teed off really early at Spanish Bay, and I shot eighty four. And to me, needless to say, I was on suicide watch pretty much the entire day. <laughs> but you know, one thing that I noticed about that day, and I remember in retrospect was you never said anything negative to me. Um, There wasn't any negative connotations. It was a tough day. It was a bad day. Probably the worst day of my amateur career. In, in, you know, our most important tournament as an amateur in the state, California State Amateur. And, And I'll never forget that. And it's just to edify what you said. And I think that it goes beyond what's being preached today. And if you think about the great players in the world and they're having this self-talk and they're not, they're looking at that one day or those two days and 72 holes where they're not hitting the ball that great. And they're just looking for it or they're looking at it as a challenge and not something to panic about, not something to freak out about. And that to me right there is something that I know for myself I, I want to incorporate that. I want that is applicable right now. That's an intangible that you know you don't know you need to go to the range and pound 500 balls a day. This is something that's applicable right now. And I think that at times in my golf journey, I know that my best rounds have not necessarily been these sublime ball striking rounds. Now, honestly, it's it's getting into flow or the zone. And, and during that time, it's positive self-talk and there's negative, there's not a negative destructive self-talk, like you said, which I appreciate. And I think that in the moment when we get pissed off, if we've hit a bad shot or whatever, I think it's important to train ourselves, to remind ourselves, to look at the next shot as a challenge and not panic and not hit the panic button. And sometimes bogey's a good score. Mm-hmm. Sometimes bogey's a good score. You can recover from a bogey. It's yeah. it's a little more difficult to recover from doubles, but but you can recover from bogeys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then and then the second part of the story is the second round at Pebble Beach. Um, I'm not going to say what I shot, but I'm just going to say this: mm-hmm. um, I bogeyed the first hole, and I, yeah. I hit a good putt for par, and uh, and I missed it. And you looked at me. As I was handing you the putter, you looked at me and you said, JP, you're going to make everything you looked at. You're going to make everything you look at today. That's a, I don't know if you remember, but that's exactly what you said to me. And you know what? I believed it. I believed it. And I had no reason to believe. It. I mean, I hit a good putt on the first hole. Sure. But the previous day, I didn't hit anything good. I didn't hit anything great. <laughs> I didn't even hit anything fair. Um, so... We're going on faith here. And and you said, JP, you're going to make everything you looked at. I think I made a putt on two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight at Pebble. Uh, during the state amateur, which was, you know, maybe a quarter of degree slower than than any of the US opens. Those greens were fast. And right. um, and if you were on the wrong side of the hole, you were dead. But mm-hmm. I, I think that goes you know, part of this process in ascending and getting better playing, playing this game that we love unconditionally, um, is that, that mindset of looking at challenging days as a challenge and, uh, and not to shy away from that moment. I, I mean, it's, you know, one of the, one of the great things is, you know, when you look, when you look at PGA tour scores, a lot of times there's that one round where they didn't play that well, but they still managed to win. and. It's uncanny when you listen to interviews, how many times guys say, you know, it was the second round or the third round where I somehow managed to hold it together and it gave me the confidence to finish it up. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. That's and, exactly what it is. And, and nobody talks about that. <laughs> I think those are the most important lessons. 
Oh, those are the most important lessons. Those are the ones you can carry with you to your next the next event or the next big tournament that you get into. And and when you do come upon a challenge like that or something that doesn't isn't doesn't work out fortunate for you on the golf course, but you still know in the back of your mind that you know, hey, I did this before. You know, even that's what I used to do when I was caddying for people. I would somehow I could remember shots from all around the country, and uh, you'd get to a certain shot, and it'd be it's kind of a little bit of a you know maybe a little not to say it was a scary shot, a challenging shot, and they you kind of going back and forth about the number. Instead of talking about the number, I'd say, hey, you remember uh, two weeks ago at, at Riviera you had one fifty seven, and man, you hit that nine iron about a foot. I said, you know, we've got one fifty six right here. It's the same shot, you know, and just try to like you say, put that positive thought in their head, you know, get that vision and, and try to keep, um, keep going in the right direction because, you know, it's like I said, it's, it's an interesting game. You can really, you know, you hear them say it and it's true. You know, you can get in your own way. Yeah. You, know? you can yeah. get in your own way. And, and when you, you hear that statement and you kind of wonder what it is, but when you, when, you know, like you and I, when we're that close to the player, you, you can, you can see that occasionally. You know, I'm not going to mention any names of people that I work for, but they would get in their own way. Sure. You know? And it would it would be uh, not a struggle, but I would I would try every type of approach I I could to get them to, to feel uh, confident when they got over that ball. Sure. You know? So and that's um, but yeah, the, the, the tangibles that you're, you're right. It's it's that's it's that mindset that. Um, just, just knowing, you know, I like, I like, I've told players, like, oh, you know what, they just, they just didn't invite anybody to this golf tournament, you know. I mean, if you weren't a great player, you wouldn't be here, you know. Yeah. So what? Yeah. So what if we bogey two holes in a row? You know, yeah. I don't like it either. It doesn't make me feel great either. But you know what? Only the great, only the great players are here, and you're one of them. You yeah. Know? You're, you're one of them. Come on, let's go. Pick it up. Yeah. Come on. You know. Yeah. And just like I say, just try to be positive and try to keep their mind in a, in a, in a good frame. You know, and uh, that you know, I, I'm I'm talking from uh, the caddy point of view because that's that's the side of the bag I was on. So, but uh, yeah, it, it's great. It's it's so it's so so much fun. People who are listening who have never caddied before, it's um, you know, it looks it looks simple. I mean, I don't know if you saw last week where Tony Finau was out with that that corporate president that owned that co- company. Did you see that? His uh, Tony's caddy had was uh, hopefully had a baby last week and. Uh, couldn't couldn't show up so tony and asked one of his one of these gentlemen who owns uh, sold one of his big companies and uh he wanted to come out and caddy and he caddied for the first day and I, they were talking to him and he goes holy mackerel he goes i'm exhausted you know <laughs> he goes because i'm not just physically exhausted i'm mentally exhausted you know and this is uh you know one of the very successful gentlemen in our country who who did this for last week and i it's uh yeah it it you know, you sleep pretty well being a caddy, not only from your from your feet and your legs, but from your from your mind. You know, it's a it's a good challenge. It's a good challenge. It's a good workout. That's why I think I really enjoyed it so much. Well, you got to see the best, uh, the best of the best and the best that what what they do. Um, yeah. aside, aside from from from, say, Dave Eichelberger, give me the ball type thing. Um, <laughs> and then the mindsets that we talk about. Is there is there anything else? Well, I mean, what do you see, say, for example, the difference uh, mentally between a PGA Tour player and just uh, hypothetically a scratch player? You know, what what would you what, yeah. what do you see mentally? I think kind of what we're talking about. I think the uh, amateur or the, the real good player, they may get a little bit a little more frustrated quicker okay. than, a, than a pro player, a pro player. Uh, has that ability just to stay just a little bit calmer. Um, like you were just mentioning it earlier, um, a bogey is a good score. On a yeah, lot of holes. Sometimes. Yeah. You know, just because you have a 25 footer uh, doesn't mean you're going to make it, you know, but, it, but a good professional player knows if he can hit it up there inside two feet, that that was a good putt, you know, where a lot of low handicap players, they, they feel like, they need to make all those putts. You know, they feel like, you know, the opportunities there. Well, I didn't make any birdies today. They'd say to me or something. I only made one birdie. Well, you know, you never got it inside of 15 feet, but you made a lot of good putts. Um, so I, I think uh, course management, you know, with, mm-hmm. with the pros do, they, they seem to, um, you know, keep, keep the ball in play. Like you say, I, I always call it, 
not not hitting the wall, you know, not uh, not making a double, like you know, because you can you can recover, like you said, from a bogey. But um, these guys, um, yeah, the, the the pros just they just you know, it's like every sport. I mean, there's um, there's really really good players at every sport, but these guys that make guys and gals that make it to the pros, they're great, you know. They're great. They just have some little, some little something more, whether it's, um, I'm not sure it's, it's, I'm sure, you know, it can't be physical. I mean, look at you, look at like little Willie Wood, for instance, you know, small stature, but just strong in his brain, you know, Ian Woosnam, Woosnam, you know, very, very strong. You know, my friend, my my friend, friend, Fred Funk. Oh yeah. Little Freddie. I mean, look at Fred, Freddie just, Hit it right down the middle, and you know these guys are hitting it 40, 35 yards past them. Doesn't bother them, no. you know. I mean, he almost says "nice shot" to these guys when they hit it past them. You know, he just has that mindset. You know, yeah. where he plays his own game, and yeah. that's another thing. You have you have to play your own game. You can't get swayed by you know a big hitter in your group or a good putter and say, "Well, he's making all the putts. I'm not making anything." You know, you just really have to. Like I was saying earlier, you kind of kind of get in your own little tunnel and you just do as well as you can with what you, what you've been given, you know. Yeah. And, and I think that's I think that's what pros do. Pros don't, uh, you know, try to pull a rabbit out of their hat type of deal. You know, you yeah. know let's see, let's see if we can fade this thing two thirty around five trees, you know, <laughs> you know they, uh, you know, two or three handicapper might think, hey, I'm a good player and try it. Well, you know, the pros going to hit it. 150, 60 yards down to the left and get it up and down, you know? Yeah. And, and, and course management, I think course management is a little bit better at the professional level. Yeah. Uh, so just a few of those, few of those items, I think is what probably separates the good amateurs from the pro, you know? God, I think that's, um, I mean, aside from the, from anybody who's on any of the tours in the world, um, boy, that information is valuable. I mean, mm-hmm. let's work on your attitude and let's, let's work on making the game a little bit easier. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, I, I, I heard a great comment earlier in May, a good friend of mine made a comment. We were paired together in the first round of a tournament down in Santa Barbara. And I tried to hit uh, a punch fade around some trees. And, and I normally would, I, I would execute that shot seven out of 10 times. And for whatever reason, I didn't do it. And it hit a tree limb and came straight down and it was a par five. And I ended up making a bogey. So I'm sitting down with, with a friend of mine that I got paired with. And he asked me what I did on that hole mentally. And I told him, and he, he, he answered by saying, would Bernhard longer have done what you did? (laughs) Yeah. And, And I, I mean, that just, that's all he had to ask me. And it literally I went down a rabbit hole that the entire rest of the day, like, okay. I, I literally made it harder on myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, if I would have, if I would have played conservatively and punched out, I would have had a, you know, an eight iron in from 155 yards, you know, big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Easy shot, easy. you know, to yeah. an easy pin. And instead mm-hmm. I had 230 yards, mm-hmm. you know, with the same shot and I ended up making a bogey. Yeah. And then the whole thing perpetuated itself. But, you know, one of the things that I notice out there, too, is they um, one of the differences between, let's say, my handicap genre, I'm a, you know, I'm a zero, basically. And and a lot of those guys and girls out there is it's they almost never really get upset. They almost never do. I mean, there's some players that get hot. But, you know, what interestingly enough, the players that get pissed off. 10 seconds later, it's done. It's yeah. gone. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I love this, you know, I've said this on, on, on episodes that are, will be coming out, but um, I would say one of the great differences between players of my ability and tour players is that tour players, quite frankly, they're the greatest forgetters of all time. <laughs> That's a good point. That's, that is, that is a really good point. You have to have a short memory out there, you know, that really comes, it really comes to your favor. It, uh, cause you can't be carrying your garbage with you. You know, you can't, uh, cause it, it once Dave Eichelberger explained to me, he said, you know, it feels like sometimes when you start losing it a little bit, it feels like a train falling off the track. Right. You know? 
Yeah. It's hard to get it's hard to get that thing back. So right. but he he would always just uh they would get a little upset. He would never get upset at me. He would never get upset at anybody other than himself. And just like you said, he would be upset for about, oh, maybe not even 10 seconds, you know, and maybe a little something will fly out of his mouth, but it was nothing towards towards me or anybody else other than himself. But right. then, he, then, he, then he'd forget about it and just go on, you know, he'd go on and he'd just blow it off. It'd be like a little steam coming out and he'd go off, you know, so um yeah, they they have this really uncanny ability just to uh, keep their composure. You know, it's 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 fun. It's uh, it's such a like I said earlier, it's such an inner body game of self control. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean, you know, I've been fortunate enough to play some decent golf throughout my life, and uh, and uh, I can definitely relate to that. You know, inner body control attitude mindset um and i look at the players now that i have so much respect for and and one of them is bernhard Lauer, and uh the other one's jim furick you know mm -hmm. i mean these guys just there's something there mentally that yeah you know we can we can all learn from and, and uh and, and another guy that i have the utmost respect for is you know might be no he probably is my most favorite player of all time and that's hale or and he doesn't get mentioned a lot. No, no, I, I'm with you. Hale, Hale's one of my favorite too. There, there's some Hale. Just uh, what, what a great player. Another mentally tough. Oh my goodness, what a mentally tough uh, gentleman. And uh, but yeah, I, when you speak about those good players, some of them don't. They don't talk much about the. You know, obviously these are we're back a few years, but this uh, Dr. Gil Morgan. Yeah, Dr. Gil Morgan was one of the great ball strikers uh, yeah. won a lot of golf tournaments and nobody ever said much about him. Cause you know why you'd get finished with the round. Gil wouldn't, Dr. Morgan wouldn't say a thing. You wouldn't know if he shot 74, or 64, yeah. you know, yeah. you'd see him there. He'd be having lunch and you'd like, you know, he just, he just always kept this demeanor about him. That was, uh, that was great. But uh, back to Hale, Hale was uh, uh, a few years ago, Jesse and I were fortunate enough, uh, there was a the U.S. Open was out at Pebble Beach and uh, we had a good group and Jesse and I were paired and Jesse was fortunate enough to caddy for um, Mr. Player and I had Hale Irwin and that was that was quite an experience for us, wasn't it, Jess? That was that. Uh, uh, it's something I'll never forget. Yeah, that was uh, that was that was a great day. That was a great day and uh, yeah. just just like you said, just being able to be around those kind of players and um, and pick up their vibe, pick up their you know they were a little bit later in their careers, but they still have the, uh, the wit and the charm that they, that they possess their, you know, their, their whole careers there. Yeah. Incredible guys. Yeah. Some of those guys were great winners. I mean, gee, at Christmas, you know, Hale, Hale won a lot of tournaments, you know, won a lot of tournaments and talk about a good ball striker. And, uh, Oh yeah. You know, he, he, he was another guy who wanted the ball, you know, yeah. Yeah. You know, he, uh, you could just see it in his eyes when you were out there against him. Fortunately, we were fortunate enough. We competed against him quite a few times in the last round over the years. And, uh, you know, he just, uh, he had snake eyes, you know, he was just, uh, he was, a, he was at the task at hand. That was, that was what he was there for that day. And that's what, uh, that's what he was going to, that's what he was going to do. And he was, uh, yeah, another great example to watch for somebody, some young player or somebody who just uh, had the, had the will and the desire to win because he's, he had it strong. He was a, he was a strong competitor and uh, yeah, very fortunate, very fortunate to be around people like that. You know, he's uh, I always tried to pick up something from it, all those guys, you know, sure. everybody in the groups, you know, you never know. I know you're only caddying for one player, but you know, you're always keeping an eye on the other guys. And I think they're keeping an eye on you too. Also, you know, yeah. and uh, it's just part of the competition. And, uh, but uh Hale, Hale was Hale was one of the, definitely one of the great greatest players of all time as far as I'm concerned. You know, yeah. yeah, I just I just have a tremendous amount of respect for him. I mean, not in in addition to that day, I had other uh, chances to be around uh, Hale Irwin over at the uh, over at the trailer and when the Champions Tour rolled into town in Pebble and yeah. uh, my my buddy George Willett and Hale were, were really yeah. close, good friends. So. <laughs> I got a chance to be a fly on the wall a few times and, and hear some of the things that he said. And uh, partly 
some of the reasons why I started this project and and uh, and to get down to the bottom of what 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 it what's the difference you know getting yeah. down to the bottom of what's the difference and and, yeah. and how can we examine it and then more importantly how can we apply it and, yeah. and I think that that that's important and one of the great things that I learned from you Bobby C was and, and I didn't know it at the time only in reflection was that the power of self-talk could be the ultimate power for somebody on the golf course. Oh. Um, you know, because self-talk and, and being in the present moment go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and part of that also, too, is this equation is being the world's greatest forgetter, you know, and, and how can we do that? And that's the thing that blows me away about all of the gents that we've talked about is that they're the greatest forgetters of all time. Mm-hmm. It, uh, they can they can hit bad shots. They can top shot. I mean, just because you're on tour and one of the best in the world doesn't exempt you, or a good player doesn't exempt you from snap hooking at Oscar Bravo, skying a ball, shanking a ball. I mean, we all do some pretty dumb things at inopportune times that make you know everybody look human. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that those guys and gals who have achieved, who I like to call them masters. So they've achieved masters. Okay. They, they are truly masters. Yes. Um, are part, a big part of the equation to achieve mastery is to become the world's greatest forgetter. Yeah. And, and, and how, how can we do that? You know, that, that's the question. How can we apply that? Yeah. You know, I, it's just, it's, uh, takes, a, takes a lot of practice. It takes, uh, yeah, it just uh, it's just something that if, if you really want to be a great player, that's I think something that you really, really it's uh, you know I teaching pros these these women and men that teach players how to p- actually play the, f- the physical part of the game. Um, it's definitely a requirement, but there's also the you know as we're talking about here today that the mental side of of the game is just um, it's huge, it's just huge. You know, it's just absolutely huge and. Uh, for them to um, come out and and just you know like like you were saying it doesn't always work out for you you don't always hit the perfect shot but being able to steer yourself back in the right direction get yourself back in your own lane you know it just it takes practice it's not something that just it's easy it just when it when it does happen to you and you and you feel that little bit of frustration coming to you you have to be able to you know take a deep breath step back a little bit. Uh, you know, look at the situation. There's always a cause and effect for something. You just mm-hmm. have to realize that, you know, okay, that's, that's what that is, but I'm a good player. Yeah. I can do this. I can do this. I know I'm capable of doing this and just continually, 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 you know, stroking your own self, you know, making yourself feel up. You just have to feel up because the game is too long. 18 holes five hours on the golf, four and a half hours on the golf course. If, if you start beating yourself up on the first or second hole, you know, or, or somewhere earlier in the round, you just don't have enough juice to finish. You know, there's just, there's just not enough um, energy in the human body to really finish strongly when you, when you're self-defeating yourself. So you just, you have to save that energy. You have to keep yourself, you know, I've said that to people, you know, when I'm caddying for them, I go, hey, save your energy. It's early in the round, you know, and, and, you know, it's all a balance. It's all about balance. It's like nutrition. You have to have your nutrition. You have to have your mind right. You have to have your, you know, work on your golf swing as much as you can. And all these things all fall in. And when they fall in and it's working, it's just, it's, it's like poetry, you know, it's just smooth. It just works. It's just, it's beautiful, you know, and it's, uh, that's why, you know, I'll say it again. I'll say it over and over and over again. There's just, there's no game like golf. There's really no game. I don't think that has all that, all that part of, you know, all the, the parts that it takes to, to be a great player. You know, it's, um, it's fun. It's fun. You know, you know, you know, so many of these sports, you can just be big and strong and, and get away with a lot golf golf. That doesn't work. You know, that doesn't work. It's, uh, you know, I, I just want to say it, it's, I'm really encouraged now watching how well these women are playing, you know? Oh, I agree. These women around the world, I think, you know, for people who really want to uh, improve their game, I think you really need to watch a lot of these women play golf because it's more, it's more kind of like the, the, 
not say they're they're not amateurs, but it's kind of more of that kind of level, you know, where they where they you know they just they play well, they play very consistent, they play very calm. It's just I, I just think it's a really good good for everybody if we could watch you know i know it's enjoyable to watch the men hit the ball long ways and see the but uh, the course management the attitude and everything I, I think you get a i get a lot of it out of the women you know right now i think you can learn a lot from women's golf right now i agree i i'm gonna watch a lot of women's golf um and uh, i'm gonna hopefully watch my friend sarah kemp out there she's an lpga tour member from australia uh-huh. she's got uh <laughs> who hits it really good. I mean, <laughs> just, I am, uh, and they can explain to you exactly what they're doing with their golf swing and they can demonstrate mm. it. It's just, mm. it's really cool. And, um, really I, got, I, I got a lot of respect for them and I look forward to watching them. Uh, mm. hopefully I'll have a few of them on here because I absolutely love picking their brains too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, I they, think- that, yeah, they have to, they, they're, they, they can't get away with, uh, things that we can get away with just because of the speed, just because of the right. natural power. So they have to be that much more efficient, uh, mm-hmm. that much more technically sound and, and mentally they got to be tough as nails. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. and I think, I think it's cool. I, I agree. I think there's a lot to be learned from them. I, I respect them and I applaud them because it is not easy out there. Goodness gracious. Oh, no, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, there's just there's so much going on in the tour life. I mean, you really you really have to be if you're gonna be a professional tour player, you really have to be a professional. And by that I mean professional with your own time. Don't let these other uh say eight not you know announcers or or just people who want to talk to you, people who are trying to rob your time from you, trying to you know, have you do things for them. I mean, you really, you really have to step up and, and, and uh, take care of yourself because you can really get yourself tired out there. You, um, the traveling for a lot of, a lot of players, you know, a lot of good players just haven't succeeded just because they unable to uh, accept the travel responsibility. You know, it's, it's hard playing one week in New York next week down in Florida, you know, you're bouncing around and, and you can get tired and you really have to, know your, you know, listen to your body. If you get, if you get tired, you have to be able to say, you know, I, I know that next week's good tournament, but I don't, I'm, you know, you want every time you show up to that golf tournament, you want to show up knowing that you're going to win the golf tournament. And if you ever have any kind of little bit of doubt or a little bit of, uh, you know, you're not strong because you're tired, you know, you have to be able to get your schedule. And what basically that's what happened with me. I, I could caddy really well. I felt that I could caddy really well for uh, three or four weeks in a row. And then after three or four weeks, you know, when those inside rights reads started, I started saying straight, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I say straight a couple times, you know, and I'd look at my back up and I look at myself and I go, wait a minute, man, that's the inside, right. You know, and then, so right then I knew, you know, I'm getting a little tired. I'm getting just a little, you know, and you're playing against the world. So you don't want to give up anything, you know, and uh, that's when I would come home. I would, and it takes a long, it takes a while for people to to know what their body does and how it reacts to traveling. Um, so that, that was, that was kind of fun. That's one of the, the things that you need to really learn if you're going to be a pro, you know, set yeah. your own schedule, set your own schedule. And, you know, if the other guys were going and, and uh, you're not feeling great about it, then just, just, you know, you don't go that week, you know, you get hungry, stay home, get hungry. You know, you want to show up, you want to be hungry when you show up to the golf tournament. You know, you want to always, always feel like you want to win the tournament. And uh, I think that's, that's another thing that takes a little bit of time for some of these young pros to, to, to figure out what their schedule is, you know, to figure out how they can stay strong, how they can stay mentally strong. And as you know, I mean, you, you have to have a good family life. If you don't have a good family life, it's, it, you're not going to play good golf. You're just not going to play good golf. It's another thing. It's that little bit of something in the back of your head that isn't letting you free yourself up and you just uh it's 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 a whole world it's a whole world process you know it's a whole life process to uh, to be a, to be a really a good player and so like you mentioned bernard langer i mean for instance i mean great wife great family just he's got it you know he's got yeah. his, his balance is there and you can see it i mean he wouldn't have achieved what he did if he if he didn't have his balance you know and 
It's interesting, like last year, all of a sudden, Jordan Spieth is playing real well. And I was talking to Dave Weipelberger, and we were just kidding, you know. And I said, sounds like he's got a baby on the way, right? Right. We were just kidding because you look at the tour, and it's amazing how many of these guys win if their wife's pregnant or just about to have a baby or just had a baby, you know. I mean, it's just uh, your mind is so open and free, and it's just, uh, and then all greatness, it just, you open up like that, and greatness just pours in. Yeah. greatness pours in and then then you can perform well so it's a it's a it's it's incredible it's incredible what goes on out there and uh but these but these young players now you know these young men that are playing now it's it's a it's a whole it's a little bit different game jesse than when you and i started playing you know you're still a big strong guy and you can hit <laughs> a lot but uh these guys it's 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 fun to watch them you know they're they're just uh tearing up some of these classical golf courses you know but uh but it, but it's fun. It's it's uh, it, it's a wonder, wonder wonderful game. If, if people who are listening uh, don't play, you know, get out there a little bit. You can start by just putting a little bit or just chipping and and just try to get a little bit of a feel. I I kind of like starting the golf game that way. I like starting from the hole back. You know, some people learn to hit and finally end up getting into the hole. I like kind of starting in the hole and going backwards and uh, learn the short game a little bit and and get out there and and it's a fun fun what a great game and where else where else where else can grandpa play with a grandchild or grandma can play with a granddaughter you know what what other sport can you do that you know and it's such 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 a great family game such a great um it's 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 a wonderful sport it's a wonderful sport well it's certainly going to teach you a lot about yourself oh Oh my goodness gracious! Yeah, it does. It uh, like, uh, you can it, you can call golf therapy on a stick. Yeah, it, <laughs> it yeah yeah you, you're ringing your own bell for sure. You know it's uh, you know and, and some people want to listen to the bell and some don't. You know, but uh, but it's uh, it really is. It's it's uh, it's a fantastic game and and the people that are involved in the game. It's um it's a game where. You know, people with bad dispositions or tempers, they, they just don't play the game. You know, there are other sports for people like that. You know, it's uh, but people that, you, as you know, as well as I, I mean, you and I have met some of the most incredible people on the golf course. You know, I, I can honestly say the most incredible people I've ever met have been on the golf course, you know, and uh, and that's just what the game brings out. That's the game brings out the character in people. And it's really, really fun to see that, you know. Yep, I agree. So um, I know that we're about to close it up soon. What would you, for, for anybody who's aspiring to get better, give us a quick little formula. Just, uh, you know, what, what would be like physically, what would you see the difference is between, you know, a decent player and, and the players at the highest level here? Well, I'll be more specific. We can't really hit it. Maybe some of us can hit it as far as those guys, but most of us can't. Mm-hmm. I would say asking a question with an answer, but I want your opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what can we do to improve our scoring physically? Our scoring physically, well, you know, obviously, you know, you you, you get in what you, you get out what you put into this game. You know, yep. you, you can't uh, expect a whole bunch if you don't work at it. You need to you need to put your time in. You need to, uh, I suggest get yourself, you know, if, if you want to get a good teacher, get yourself a good teacher at the beginning so you can start with some good habits. You know, there are a couple of classic books, the Ben Hogan book and uh, a few of these books, Henry Pennock, uh, Harvey Pennock, excuse me, um, books that can explain to you a little bit about the grip. And uh, But to be to be a better player, to, to excel, Kind of what we were talking about. You just you, you need to just go slow. Don't expect it, it to happen real fast. You know, it's not something that comes to you quickly. It's something that is the great the game grows on you. It's 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 a progressive type of game. So you need to continue to to work at it. Continue to practice and um, but to be a you know you just you just want to be a better player. If you just if you just have that drive, that self drive that you want to be a better player that. And that I that I think that's what it takes. It, you just um, some people just enjoy playing the game. Some people like riding in the cart, having a good time with their buddies, and that's that's fine. That's a great way to play the golf game. But some people who want to become a professional, who want to excel in the game, what they need to do is really uh, 
you know, get out, get out as much as you can, keep your body in good shape, do a lot of stretching. You know, you see a lot of these uh, players on the tour who have lower back problems and things. You really need to uh, work on your flexibility. Uh, some of the strength, some of these strength uh, courses that you could take, some of these core, you know, keep your core strong. Um, all these things that are that are going to be beneficial to your game uh, that could help you in the long run. Cause it's, it's um, as you know, it's, it, it, you can beat up your body playing golf. It, it looks pretty simple, but it, you're, it's a lot of twisting and a lot of uh, turning action. So keep yourself flexible, keep yourself, you know, uh, happy, you know, just be happy, get out there and, uh, and, and keep trying. Don't give up. Don't give up. Never give in. You know, that's what it, it's all about. It's that if you didn't hit a good one this time, you know, say to yourself, watch out, man, I'm going to hit a good one the next time, you know, and just keep being, be your best friend, be your own friend out there, you know, and enjoy yourself and, uh, and enjoy your walk and enjoy the beauty of the game. Cause it's a beautiful, beautiful game being outside like that. There's just so many, uh, so many bonuses to the game. So I would say just work hard at it. Don't get frustrated. Um, you know, enjoy yourself. And, and keep your head up. I love it. I, I think uh, I think we can safely close on that. You just said it all. I can't I can't add to that, my friend. Bobby yeah, well. C. Okay, thanks, thank you for coming on. And, I appreciate uh, it and sharing your stories and 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 your wisdom. And I I know that um, I benefited from your wisdom for a long time, my friend. And now others can also. So I really appreciate it. And thanks for coming on, Bobby C. You're welcome, Jess. Thanks for having me. Have a good night.